The most victorious and triumphant king of England, Henry VIII of that name, in all royal virtues a prince most peerless, had of late, in controversy with Charles, the right high and mighty king of Castile, weighty matters and of great importance. For the debatement and final determination whereof, the king's majesty sent me ambassador into Flanders, joined in commission with Cuthbert Tunstall, a man doubtless out of comparison, and whom the king's majesty of late, to the great rejoicing of all men, did prefer to the office of master of the rolls. But of this man's praises I will say nothing not because I do fear that small credence shall be given to the testimony that cometh out of a friend's mouth, but because his virtue and learning be greater and of more excellency than that I am able to praise them, and also in all places so famous and so perfectly well known that they need not nor ought not of me to be praised, unless I would seem to show and set forth the brightness of the sun with a candle, as the proverb saith. There met us at Bruges, for thus it was before agreed, they whom their prince had for that matter appointed commissioners, excellent men all. The chief and the head of them was the Margrave, as they call him, of Bruges, a right honourable man. But the wisest and the best spoken of them was George Thames's, provost of Castle, a man not only by learning but also by nature of singular eloquence, and in the laws profoundly learned, but in reasoning and debating of matters, what by his natural wit and what by daily exercise, surely he had few fellows. After that we had once or twice met, and upon certain points or articles could not fully and thoroughly agree, they for a certain space took their leave of us and departed to Brussels, there to know their prince's pleasure. I, in the meantime, for so my business lay, went straight thence to Antwerp. Whiles I was there abiding, oftentimes among other, but which to me was more welcome than any other, did visit me one Peter Giles, a citizen of Antwerp, a man there in his country of honest reputation, and also preferred to high promotions worthy truly of the highest for it is hard to say whether the young man be in learning or in honesty more excellent. For he is both of wonderful virtuous conditions, and also singularly well learned, and towards all sorts of people exceeding gentle, but towards his friends so kind-hearted, so loving, so faithful, so trusty, and of so earnest affection, that it were very hard in any place to find a man that with him in all points of friendship may be compared. No man can be more lowly or courteous. No man useth less simulation or dissimulation. In no man is more prudent simplicity. Besides this, he is in his talk and communication so merry and pleasant, yea, and that without harm, that through his gentle entertainment and his sweet and delectable communication, in me was greatly abated and diminished the fervent desire that I had to see my native country, my wife and my children, whom then I did much long and covet to see, because that at that time I had been more than four months from them. Upon a certain day, 
when I had heard the divine service in Our Lady's Church, which is the fairest, the most gorgeous and curious church of building in all the city, and also most frequented of people, and the service being done was ready to go home to my lodging, I chanced to espy this foresaid Peter talking with a certain stranger, a man well stricken in age, with a black sunburnt face, a long beard, and a cloak cast homely about his shoulders, whom, by his favour and apparel, forthwith I judged to be a mariner. But the said Peter, seeing me, came unto me and saluted me, and as I was about to answer him, See you this man, saith he, and therewith he pointed to the man that I saw him talking with before. I was minded, quoth he, to bring him straight home to you. He should have been very welcome to me, said I, for your sake. Nay, quoth he, for his own sake.